Welcome back. You're listening to the Brand Builders Love Podcast. We're at episode 149 and today we are talking about how you can learn to love selling. We're talking non-sleazy sales. Welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. I'm your host, Suze Chadwick, founder, author, speaker, and bold branding and business coach. Right here on this podcast, you'll learn how to create an epic brand, profitable business, get marketing savvy, and we'll help you find the confidence to step up as the CEO to scale and grow. Ready? Let's go. Hello, my lovelies. How are you? I hope that you are doing well. It is always amazing to have you back here on the podcast. And I hope that you have been enjoying the interviews because I feel like I've been having a lot of diverse uh, people on the podcast, guests talking about amazing things. And today is no different. You know that I love talking about branding and marketing. And as Annie and I talk about in this episode, there is no point having great branding and marketing if you can't close the sale. Because at the end of the day, that is why we do what we do when it comes to our business and earning money is that we obviously want to attract the people that we really want to work with so that we can have the impact that we have. So learning how to do this well in a way that really works for you, I think is super important. So today I have got Annie P. Ruggles on the podcast. She is the creator of the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy for almost a decade. Annie has harnessed her Hulk-like disdain for hard sales, tacky self-promotion and overly competitive sleaze balls as inspiration to help people find better ways to grow their small businesses. She's guided hundreds of people towards making deeper connections, lasting impressions and friendlier, more lucrative tractions and conversations. She is the daughter of an award-winning motivational speaker and an always ahead of his time business strategist. The grand daughter of a legendary used car salesman, a perspicuous wordsmith, a singing waiter (laughs) and cafeteria caterer with a raving fan base. She lives in Chicago with her hobbit husband who is also in sales, her fur kids and her disdain for deep dish pizza. See, there was a whole lot of information you needed to know, a whole lot of information you didn't need to know, but I think was good to know. And so it's important that you get to know Annie. And can I just tell you, if you want to really be entertained as well, the video to this interview is on my website at suzechadwick.com forward slash pod 149. So I am obviously recording all of the interviews that I have with my guests. And so now nine times out of 10, you can find the video of the interview on the show notes page as well. So make sure that you check that out. And so without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. Annie, welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. Thank you, Suze. So excited to have you here. Now I love the serendipity of it all. Annie and I met on Clubhouse. We were in a room together and I feel like you know that music where it's just like this amazing music where two people finally meet and it's just... <laughs> That's the exact music I was thinking of, Annie. <laughs> we looked at each other, well, we did it. We looked at each other's little face avatars. We clicked on each other's faces and knew. 
Right? That's the one thing about Clubhouse that I'm still not used to. It's like, just click on their face. Somebody said the other day, punch me in the face or something like that. I'm like, (laughs) that's that's not not a saying I'm going to adopt. No. but anyway, so good. And Annie, I love the fact, like you are the founder of the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy. And uh, and I love any, like that you talk about sales. You know, I'm all about the branding, the marketing, but you just can There's no point in having great branding and great marketing if you can't close the deal. So Thank I am you, like... <sighs> so passionate about this topic and I don't know that we've I feel like I've spoken about it before but I don't know that I've had anybody else come on and talk about sales specifically so when we did meet on Clubhouse I have to say that I was excited um I've been on your podcast we were like we have to do a podcast swap this is going to be amazing and so I was on your podcast which was so fun we had we talked about Lady Gaga when it comes out I'll be sharing it with all of my audience so you guys will get to listen to it um don't worry it's such a fun episode but I really wanted to have you on because my audience are small business owners mainly Women in business, they could be in business for a year or for 10 years. But you know something, I feel like there is a general feeling of when we talk about sales, people just kind of go, oh, like they just shrivel just a little bit. Yeah. Or like we just want to take a shower again or go back to bed because we're just like, no, no. But the way that you put it is absolutely perfect because I used to do branding and marketing and I'm still mega passionate about those things. I believe in every dime that you spend on a beautiful, powerful, bold brand and every dime you spend on marketing, unless you're going to turn around and shoot yourself in the foot and waste all that money by not making the ask. That is the final step in a nine billion step process. You have gone this far. You have literally inches to go but in those inches that's when we have a tendency to fall down especially super small businesses especially women and especially people that use words like purpose and mission and calling when they're talking about their careers wow awesome okay this is going to be a fun chat all right so annie before we get started i always like to know how did you get here how did you end up in this business how did you start like where where did all of this come from you know what's really goofy about that is if i look at my story going back to birth it makes sense but if i look at my story going back to like my 20s it makes no sense at all in that i am the child of a motivational speaker and a business strategist i am the grandchild of a writer and a used car salesman so from a genetic and biological standpoint what the heck else would i be but i never ever 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 expected to be here and i certainly did not expect to teach sales uh, because the most sales avoidant person in the world was me. Wow. Just like many of us had to kind of like figure out our niche by trial by fire and, and all of those things. I was the most sales avoidant person. But how I got here was an interesting wandering journey through this new field back then called life coaching, which nobody really got. Uh, or understood and they're just like I'm gonna be a coach and they're like what the hell do you mean you're gonna coach something you're gonna what 
And I was super passionate about the positive psychology and self-development space, still am. Uh, and I thought I would lean into that vein. And I started getting clients and I was like, holy crikeys, this is working, but why? Turns out clients did not want me to take them on the swing set, Seuss. They did not want me to make their life more joyful or whimsical. They wanted to know how I had a profitable coaching business. Mm. And so then I went, huh, I might have natural talent for this marketing thing. And I like to say that I am both gifted and cursed with obsessive compulsive disorder. So when I go into a rabbit hole, I go hard. Yes. Uh, it's literally in how my brain is wired. And so I thought I am going to spend every ounce of my energy learning everything I can about marketing and branding for coaches and other small businesses. And I did that for many, 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 many years. And I adored it. I just freaking loved it. There is nothing better than being a godmother to a bunch of business babies. However, when those babies don't do so hot and you're watching your client struggle, you have to first say, is this me? And I noticed that there was sales avoidance in me and that maybe I was transferring that along to them. And so once again, I dove back into my rabbit hole and I said, listen, there has got to be a better way for empaths and introverts and do-gooders and these heart-centered businesses to sell in a way that is not against their ethics, morals, values, style, and feels like a win both for them and for their clients. And I'm going to figure out how to do it. And two years later, I'm not only doing it, I'm teaching it. And amazing. it is so amazing to watch people drop that hesitation, drop that self-talk and understand that selling makes every dime and every minute they've spent thus far click and worthwhile. So good, Annie. And you know something, I was going to ask you, why do you think people struggle with sales? But I feel like you really touched on it there. I feel like, you know, just people just, I don't know, they just, they they want to do good in the world, yeah. but they, there's this general maybe feeling or idea about what sales is. And, you know, when, yeah, when we talk about or we think about sales, I guess one of the first things that comes to mind is the used car salesman or the, you know, the, um, just the, the shoddy person that's kind of like, oh, you know, have I got a deal for you kind of thing. Yeah. And exactly with all the clients you've worked with, let's Mm -hmm. dive a little bit into why they struggle. Like what, what are they thinking? What are they feeling? Why is it that they, they're happy to do the branding and sometimes happy to do the marketing, but they stop short of selling. Why is that? So first off, branding and marketing is just more fun. <laughs> that is it true. Just, it just is. Like, I'm not even yeah. going to lie and say that it's not. I've done both. I've taught both. Branding and marketing is more fun. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to put on fun outfits and have pictures taken and look all fabulous and pick your colors? It's like planning a wedding all the time for your business. It's freaking <laughs> fun. Okay? But the challenge is we are taught societally, culturally, that selling is the same as manipulation. Now, I argue 
that selling is manipulation because manipulation isn't bad if you manipulate with consent, right? So for example, if you watch a really great movie or you listen to Lady Gaga, our personal shared favorite, Lady Gaga, and she moves you to tears, Lady Gaga is manipulating you to tears. That is what she's doing. She wants you to cry. She's going to sing her butt off. She's going to get you to cry. Okay. Sign me up, Gaga. Manipulate me. Go to town. But what people don't see, though, is that just because we have all been sold to terribly, horribly, with no ethics, with no morals, with people that treat us like transactions and could not give less of a care for us, and we've all had that experience not once, not 10 times, maybe 50 times in our industry and beyond it. So of course that's reinforced. Then you turn on the news, then you turn on the TV. Everything you see about sales is this greedy character with their fake familiarity. I mean, there's bad sales types in Animal Crossing, which is a video game I play on Nintendo. Like it's everywhere. It's prevalent. But what people haven't yet caught up to is just because other people rely on those tactics to sell, it doesn't mean that those tactics are the definition of sales. Yeah. They're not. That is sleazy selling as a practice. There is this whole other world available to tap into. And what do you call it? For me, as you said, you know, you've got sleazy selling. I'm almost like it's soulful selling. It's yeah. like I'm so passionate and excited and want to serve and help my clients so much that when I'm in that conversation, I'm just like, oh my God, like, let me, like, I can show you how we can do this. Yeah. I don't have all the answers to every single thing you'll ever want to know in life, but this thing that you want to know, I can show you how to do that. I'm your girl. I'm yeah. your guy. I'm your person, right? We all want to be the person, but I call it win-win yeah. because one of the main things that I see in super empathic, introverted, or other-centered people, and I consider myself all three of those things, including an introvert. I'm just very loud. But what I see on that a ton is it's really an unwillingness to include yourself in your success because you feel like including yourself in your success is a form of greed. It is not. And that's how we get stuck in the freaking hamster wheel of martyrdom marketing, giving out content, 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 value, 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 and never asking. It's when you stop and go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why? aren't you receiving? And they go, well, I just want to help people. Okay. Well, I'm so glad you just want to help people. You can't pay your mortgage in testimonials. I'm sorry. I wish that you could. I apologize that money is the currency of this domain. I wish it wasn't. I wish we could go back to the barter system. I would totally do everything for like puppies and cheese. Of course I would. Who wouldn't? But my landlord, my bank, my doctor, my children are not going to be able to eat based on my best wishes. And so you have to go, whoa, 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 whoa. Number one, I think you've got some money stuff. And normally I refer them out to a money person because money is a beautiful, magical thing that I love. So money resistance, I don't really get, but I sympathize with. Yeah. But 
for me, I call it win-win because when you make that sale, the client should be freaking elated to work with you. They should be stoked. They should be pumped. They should be so riled up that someone like you cares about them and is in their corner now. And you should feel awesome because you're doing the damn thing you set out to do. You're making the change. You're making the impact. You're helping the people you want to help and you can put food on your table. If both of those things are not true, then you're operating like a nonprofit and you're not a nonprofit. If you need to operate like a nonprofit, then guess what? Go file as one. But then you have to do something even worse than selling called fundraising. And I don't recommend it. <laughs> yeah, that's not fun either. Ugh. Yeah. Watch. You know, Three I years to... from now, I'll be teaching fundraising. Watch. It's going to happen. I'm like, oh, <laughs> fundraising. But that's how I used to feel about selling. Yeah, so interesting. But I had to pick up on martyrdom marketing. I'm just like, I, I haven't heard that before. I love it. I do always, um, so Elizabeth Gilbert in Big Magic talks about, are you the martyr or the jokester? And it's yeah. how we approach things. It's like, am I somebody who's like, oh, this is going to be so hard. Woe is me. It, this is going to draw blood from my veins. Or are we right. somebody who's like, let's see what happens. Let's give it a go. Let's have some fun. Let's test and try. And, you know, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And so that martyrdom marketing really resonated for me where I'm just like, it's so that martyr mindset. Yes. And it's exhausting. Talk about a express lane to burnout. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Again, doubling down on every dime you spend on your marketing and every dime you spend on your branding is a great investment if you make the final commitment. <laughs> if you make that final step. So it's not that I'm dogging marketing. I freaking adore marketing. Yeah. I think I've made that point about 80 times in the last four seconds. But... But one thing that happened to me, and all of this had to start in me because I am my test subject, right? There's my jokester trickster. It's like, okay, babe, that's me. But one of the things that I noticed is I started getting really resentful of all the value I was putting out into the world. And the irony there is all I was saying and all I was feeling all the time was I just want to help people. I just want to help people. I just want to help people. I just want to do this thing. I just want to use my talents for good. I just want to help people. I just want to help people. And then I wound up putting all this content out there, getting all these people ahead, not asking for myself to be included in that success. And then I'm watching the people that got ahead because I helped them get ahead continually without me, what was I expecting them to do? Pay me retroactively? Like, oh, Annie, thanks so much for that Instagram post you put up two years ago. Here's a thousand dollars. That's not gonna happen. But what yeah. would happen is I would go, she's using that tip. She's using that tip I taught her. And look, she's blowing up. It's amazing. But it was tainted. It was tainted with resentment that never should have been in me because I am not a resentful person. But the very people I started in this business to help started feeling like competition to me when they were taking my advice. That is messed up. Yeah. That is messed up. And that's when I was like, you know what? I'm over marketing and I'm underselling because I love providing value. Ugh. 
but I love providing value and getting paid. I was about to say, the joyful thing is we can do both. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. And they don't have to be attached. It's not that every time you put value out, yeah. it has to immediately end in money. Yes. No, because we, we it's too nebulous. Like I'm yeah. reading this insane book about fungus right now. And it's like how it's like it's so mixed up into everything. Like it starts and then it gets all interwoven. And soon there's more fungus than tree or like whatever. It's really hard to track every single impression, every single touch point that leads someone to buy you most of the time. Yes. It's really hard. So the value you put out is important just because it's valuable, but also it's important to put it out because we aren't sure what's going to tip the scale for any particular buyer. But if you are not ritualizing, asking every third, fourth, five, fifth, 25th time that you put yourself out there, that is disproportionate and that is going to burn you out. 100%. Okay, so good. So good, Annie. And I think that's a great foundation for us really looking at. So if we're doing that, what should we be doing instead? So what are some key actionable tips that my lovely readers who are in the car right now or sitting on the couch or walking the dog, what can they kind of be like, Annie, how do I do this? What do I do to start to get comfortable to make the sale? Well, before we get to the three things, yes. the bottom line is do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Do not move one more inch until you redefine selling as a positive for yourself. If you're not going to change that mindset piece first, the things that I'm about to tell you to focus on are not going to work. Don't even try. Go back to bed. Watch Law & Order. Do something else. But... If you are willing to experiment with your relationship with sales, if you are willing and open to seeing what selling can feel like, then I really recommend you maximize these three kinds of relationships to show yourself that selling can be beautiful. First and foremost, friends and family, the most misunderstood people in marketing. We think that because they love us, that they get us. They don't get you. They don't. I asked my eight-year-old godson what I do for a living, and he said I boss people around. He's not wrong, but I should not be expecting any referrals off of him, okay? Like, he does not get what I do. And that's another place where resentment creeps in because we're like, how come everybody's always telling me how much they want to support my business, but none of them are supporting my business? Because you're not being specific enough. You're not being specific about what you do. You're not being specific enough about why you do it. You're not being um, specific enough on who you do it with or for. Very, very, very singularly. And they don't understand how you stand out in your market against your competitors. Because that's not their world. And additionally, most of the time it's like, sure, Uncle Joe, I'd love your support. If your Uncle Joe is a dentist, he has a lobby. Don't ask him to share your webinar. He's not going to. But he has a lobby. Put postcards in it. Right? Find the ask that matches the people and make sure your friends and family are clear 
when you're looking on them for help because otherwise you're going to get a lot of great intentions that don't add up to much so that's the first thing is don't just assume friends and family will support you because you ask them to ask them with specifics the second thing just before we go on to the second thing annie just a practical thing on that i remember um a client this is years ago now but she was just starting out and she had an incredible network on linkedin and we did that so we created like it was a really short um message to her contacts and also for her family saying hey guys just wanted you to know that i've gone out on my own i've started my own business and i'm doing this Mm-hmm. I would really value your support. And mm-hmm. if you want to support me, these are three things you can do. So yeah. you can send my details to anybody that you know that is specifically looking for somebody who can help them do X. Yep. You share my posts that I share on social media with your network or audience, or yep. if you're interested in me doing this for you or the business that you work for, cause she was in the corporate space, then I would love to have a coffee and a conversation to talk about how I can do this. Your support in the past has been incredible and I would love your support. Now it was so specific yep. and, and she had so such a great response to it. So I totally agree with you. I do think that our friends and families want to help us. I think a lot of times they don't know how, And so I think just making a really short, clear, to the point message about how they can do that is just, it just makes them also feel like, oh, okay, cool. Like I can do that. Like that's a, I can definitely share your post or I know somebody who's looking for somebody like that. Let me put you in contact with them. And so that specificity, I think is like such an important part of that. I feel like someday on my tombstone, it's going to say, here lies Annie. She loved specifics. (laughs) I think it's so important. Details are your buddy. Yes. The more clear you can be, the more clever you can be after the fact. Mm. Right? Because a lot of our brands try to be very clever and cutesy and and that's great and that's awesome. But you got to start with being clear. But that's a totally other rant. But yes, friends and family do want to help you. But you have to ask them with a call to action that is clear and a target that is clear. The other one is we spend so much time in that marketing martyrdom trying to get new clients. And new clients are awesome. I love them. Don't get me wrong. If you want to be a new client, you come on over. I got a seat at the table for you. However... What happens when we spend all of our time marketing is we tend to neglect the clients we already have. And your goal as a business owner should not be a one-time transaction. It should be accruing the lifetime value of a customer, meaning being their go-to person for as long as they need you and then their favorite person to refer beyond that. If you neglect the people that are currently in your programs, your pipeline, your atmosphere, if you're neglecting the people that are on the cusp or have already paid you, you are not going to get that lifetime value. You're going to be a one trick pony. Don't do that to yourself. The reason that we do this, because again, it's totally, no one wakes up in the morning and goes, I'm going to neglect my clients today. Woo! 
Woo! Nobody does that. But when we're spending all of our energy and effort outbound, 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 outbound marketing, it's exhausting. We don't have enough left. So look at the people that are in your world. Maybe they haven't been back in a while and they need to hear from you. Maybe they're enrolled in your programs, your services now, and they need a little bit more from you. Maybe it's a great time to send them a thank you card. Maybe they graduated a year ago and you haven't checked on them to see how their progress is doing. Whoever it is, the people that have already paid you need love too. Yeah. Not just new folks. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I think that the thing, you know, I've I've been talking a little bit about this. I've got a couple of people in my business who recently I realized have bought every single thing that I've put out. And Aww. I'm talking about they've been to events, conferences, retreats, they've bought all of my courses, they were in my mastermind. And I'm just like, right, like now I'm like creating like a VIP like, thank you, where I'm like, what could I do that is so amazing and incredible? Because you want to cultivate a hundred of those clients who are just yes. like, I am I am in for whatever you've got. I am in. I am here. I am the super fan. I am the doer. I am the payer. Like that, you know, and these things are not like 50 bucks. They're like, mm. you know, 2,000, 3,000, you know, dollar kind of things. And they're just like, what, what else? Like, what else? Yeah. <laughs> and I just, Where do I sign? Sign me up. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. And so because I think. Because you've proven value to them time and time again. They're primed to want to spend more. But, but you I think it's also that love that. that you give. I like you oh, said, yeah. it's like, it's like going back and acknowledging them and supporting them and going above and beyond. And mm -hmm. I think that if you can take the clients that you've got um, who you love and who are the type of people that you want to work with and you mm -hmm. can re-engage them and keep them warm in your audience and hot really, then the number of cold clients that you need to bring in is just I like so much, so much less and it's less work. And, and also then those clients are out there spruiking your wares. So they're now bringing in warm clients to you as well. So mm -hmm. I think that that's such an important strategy and mindset to have in your business. Yes. Is how am I giving my current clients the love? Are you treating them like VIPs or are they getting the scraps? Yeah. If you're over marketing, they're probably getting the scraps. Yeah. And that's not your fault. That's an exhaustion thing. But what you have to do is you have to look at where that energy is being spent and reallocate it toward your VIPs. So that's the second thing. Love it. The third thing is every single prospect counts unless you decide that they don't. Some money is too expensive to take. Some clients are nightmares. And I am a bleeding heart Muppet who does not like to say anything mean about anybody, but some people you just don't wanna work with. I'm not talking about them. But I'm talking about your maybes, your not nows, and your actual objections, your actual no's based on timing, money, buy-in, or fit. A lot of people, including the heart-centered people we've been talking about this whole time, don't know how to process that, don't know how to handle that. And so what they do is go into rejection feeling and bail as quickly as possible. Thanks so much. I'm sorry I wasted your time. Um, um, let me know if you change your mind. Okay, bye. No! 
no, those people will never come back. Ever, 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 ever. If you take that no, not now, or maybe seriously, and you say, I totally hear you, here's what I suggest. I'm gonna give you some homework. I want you to go off and do your homework. Let me know what it changes for you. And in the meantime, continue to sop up all of my marketing. I'm on Clubhouse every Monday morning. You and I are already connected on LinkedIn. You know I post my stuff there all the time. I want you to get as much value out of my free stuff as you possibly can. But the tidbit that I'm gonna give you, and you especially, is this piece of homework. Go do that, see what changes, and then if it changes enough for you, come on back. That is the only way that I have gotten people that say no to me to go out and refer me to other people. Imagine that. People that say, no, Annie, we're not the right fit will then say, but I know who is and I'm going to go tell him or her all about you. Yeah. What? What? If I had slammed that door. Sorry to people who are wearing headphones. <laughs> no, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry at all. Here's why. Don't don't disregard any prospects. Yeah. That's your screech. That's your the screech is your alarm yeah. of not doing that. There you go. You're welcome. But, I love it. But the thing is, if if we slam the door for self-protection or if we slam the door at all, or mm. even if we assume that the door is forever closed, we are missing the opportunity to have a longer term sale and the people that aren't ready to buy yet, but will buy in the future or brand evangelists and super fans who can't afford you or it's not the right fit but will go out and be like oh listen not only did i have this amazing consultation she didn't hard sell me and she gave me homework and she told me it was okay that i didn't hire her you should go hire her amazing i love that so good and we want to build those super fans we want to build people where, and, you know, work with the people that are right for us and that we know that we can help and that we can serve in that moment. But I think that people can always feel that genuine, I guess, intention. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm not going to sell. like, I don't think this is right, but here's what I can do to help. Maybe, like, you know, something I've got somebody that I think would be really good for you to work with. So I've got some people that come to me and they're like, I just don't want to be as visible as like you talk about. And so I'm like, okay, well, listen, I may not be the coach for you because that's, that's like what I'm based on is I want you to get visible, but I'm like, you know, something I've got a couple of coaches that I think could really help you because their methodology and what they do is probably more aligned to you. And I'm mm-hmm. totally fine with that because at the end of the day, if I try and get them to work with me, both of us are going to be really unhappy because they're not going to want to do what I'm asking them to do. And then I'm going to be frustrated because they're not doing what I'm asking them to do. And it'll just be a mismatch. So I think that that also, you know, it's about finding the right people and then having really honest conversations. But if they are right, making that invitation, like you said, it's like, this would be awesome. We would be awesome together. I know that I can help you. I know that based on what you've told me, I can totally help you to achieve that. Mm-hmm. join, like join, jump in now and join. I would love to work with you. And I think just also, what do you think around the language and just practicing that invite, that that call to action with somebody when you're with them in real time? Like, is that something that you've kind of mastered? Like, how do you do it? How do I close? Yeah. You know, one of my very favorite closes 
I call the string of yes. It may have many, many, many names, but to whip people into that like excited frenzy, especially if the enthusiasm is already mutual and already there. If someone is like over you, don't use a string of yeses close. You'll drive them nuts. <laughs> but in a situation where you're jazzed and they're jazzed and you really just want to put the, you know, the cherry on the Sunday and get the deal signed, the string of yeses is, is perfect. Okay? So let's say I had a 30-minute discovery call. Someday I will come back on the show and tell you why you shouldn't call it a discovery call. But that's a rant for a different day. Yeah. But someday you have a 30-minute discovery call. And you have this amazing connection. So what I do at the end to close, if it's me, is I go, okay. So in this conversation, I've outlined everything that sales for Empath teaches, right? I talked about how we talk about mindset, but then we really get into strategy, right? And I wait for them to say yes or any derivative of yes. And I go, and I told you about how so-and-so, my client, is a lot like you in terms of what you had to overcome and how over so. And I told you I would connect you with her, right? Right. Yes. Okay. And I told you about the group calls and when they're scheduled and how they're scheduled. So you understand that. And I told you about how the group calls differ, right? Yes. Okay. And I told you about the payment plans. Yes. And I made it very clear that I don't care if you use them. Yeah. See what I'm already doing. Number one, I'm reminding them cerebrally that all of the boxes that they needed to do in order to make the decision have been checked. Yes, we talked about all the logistics. Yes, we talked about how it runs and the time and the money and the software and the platform and the blah, 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 right? That's just telling my reptile brain to cool down because I know that, okay, okay, I had a, I had a successful conversation here. But beyond that, and I told you about that testimonial I just got, right? Yes, yes. And we talked about how your goals are going to go from here to here. Yes. And we got you really excited about doing this instead of this. Yes. And you are going to reach out as your homework to your friends and family. And you are going to specifically tell them in detail what to do, right? Yes. And you are going to stop neglecting your current clients, right? Right. Okay. And I'm going to be right there with you. Yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, one more thing. And then we talked about not leaving your pending prospects hanging. That is one of the main things that I'm going to want to hit in our first, however many days together. Do you understand that? Was any of that unclear? Are you ready to dive into doing that? Yes. Okay. Well then the investment for that is X. Does that work for you now? Or would you like to wait a while? So you ask them if they'd like to wait a while. I ask them some version of that. Okay. If it's a timing objection, I ask, would you like to do now or wait a while? Okay. If I know that there's going to be a pricing objection, I say, and the price for this is this, how does that land? And then at that point, if I haven't talked about, you know, payment plans or blah, 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 then I will go ahead and go and do that. But normally the question I ask after I say the price is based on whatever objection I think is most important to them or whatever ROI is the most important to them. Yeah. Right. And then I do the most magical part of the whole sales call, which is I shut up. Yes. So important. I remember having a conversation years ago where I had a client and she'd be like, so the price is a thousand dollars, but listen, I'm happy to give it to you for $800. Um, and we can also like, if you want to pay later rather than now. And I was just like, I want you to just say, and the price is a thousand dollars. 
how <laughs> can anyone? I'm like, stop talking. If you went to a restaurant and they told you the specials, and then the waiter, waitress, or whoever stood there while you looked at the menu and went, so the salmon, do you want the salmon? How about the salmon? Do you, what about the salmon? I mean, I know that maybe you don't like salmon. Do you like salmon? We have, have we even talked about salmon? I don't know about the salmon. What do you think about the salmon? I mean, we also have the steak. Would you like the steak? How on earth am I going to know what I want for dinner other than for that waiter to go away? Yeah. How am I, how can I think? I can't hear myself think. But it's because that's where our own security about our price point creeps in. That is the place where it will show up. And so the best, most scientific workaround in the world for that anxiety creeping in after you say the price is shut up. (laughs) Say the price, ask a yes or no question, and then zip it. Yeah. Enough. Wait until they actually object to treat it like there's an objection because that's the other thing we do after the price is we say a whole bunch of stuff because we assume that they're going to say no. Shut up. You don't (laughs) know that they're going to say no. Yeah. And if they are going to say no, let them say it so you can respond accordingly. But one of the things that I did in my rabbit hole and I still do, and it's, better than Netflix, I'm telling you, although very depressing from time to time, is I listen to a lot of people's sales calls. And the number one point of babbling is after the money is discussed. (sighs) Please, for the love of God, if you've learned nothing else from this episode, the next time you say your price to another human being, I, I want you to hear that screechy, horrible noise I made before. And then I want you to hear the words, okay, now shut up. Mm. And just wait. Wait. Be you okay may get the objective, but wait. Oh, my God, yes. I think that's it. It's like we feel like we have to fill the silence. So we sort of exactly. say, okay, that's the price. And then there might be a silence where they're actually just processing it. And we're, and all of a sudden there's like more than three seconds of silence. And we think, oh my gosh, like I need to now fill this silence yep. with something. Mm-hmm. Like, how does that sound? Like, is that, are you okay with that? I mean, we could possibly discount like, and yep. all of the, all mm-hmm. of the insecurities potentially come up. I remember that when I started my business um, and I'd put my prices up and that I used to say to my husband, when I was brushing my teeth and that sort of thing, ask me how much I am. And he'd be like, yep. oh, Suzanne, how much are you? And I'm like, 2,500. Yep. And I, and I was just me practicing being really confident in saying the number and then yep. not saying anything afterwards. And my version of that was like, I would walk around and I would pick up random stuff in my house. And I would be like, this Sharpie is $2,500. This pack of Post-its is $2,500. This pen is $2,500. This credit card is $2,000. This half-drank Diet Coke is $2,500. Just so I could get it into my head without emotion. So that by the time they're like, well, and how much is the program? Is $2,500. Yeah. Zip. Yeah, I think it's such a powerful exercise to do because I think the more, it's the whole learned behavior thing. The more that we do something, the more comfortable we are with it and the more we just, it becomes less stressful. Like, you know, our blood pressure doesn't rise, our heart doesn't race. It's just, we've said it so many times now that it's just like when somebody asks, you're like, well, that costs $2,500. 
plus GST and then you just stop and they're like okay is there payment plans yep sure you can do that this or this mm-hmm. and quiet again and then you wait for the next question yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you're like would you like to book that in yeah no that sounds good okay great I will uh I'm gonna send you the link right now or mm-hmm. whatever however you want to do that um and just yeah just ask short simple questions and then shut up yeah love it it's amazing that we're taught in dating like make sure you wait for a whole day before you text that date back and tell them what a good time you had and yet when it comes to our businesses the second after a great date we're like hire me 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 do you want to hire me i mean i know that i'm expensive i i, I thought I've, i explained to you why i'm expensive but i mean some some people charge more than me and some people charge less than me and then they do exactly what you said in your example which be like well i mean i guess i could discount it what they might have been wanting to pay twice as much <laughs> what yeah, yeah. I know it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, I love that, Annie. And I think those are three really, really good things, practical things that um, that my listeners can definitely do when it comes to how they can be more confident in their sales, how it can be a lot more effective for them as well. And I think it's just something like, I just want to talk about this more. I know you and I said this as well. We just want to talk. We want to talk about sales more. We want to talk about money more. We want women to feel more empowered and, and, and like, it's not the worst thing that they're doing, but it's actually serving their clients and it's serving them and their families and the lives that they're trying to build and the businesses they're trying to build as well. Yes. Why doesn't your dream life include you? 100%. And a lot of people will say that it does. But then I'll say, well, how are you going to finance that dream life? And they go, well, I don't know. I guess I'll have to use it through my business. Well, okay. Then sell in your business, boo. Go ahead. I know. I know. It's And I just, yeah. I mean, I ran a webinar a, a little while ago and I run this um you know, a couple of times a year, which is building a profitable business without the burnout. And one of the questions that I ask when I'm on that webinar is what are you spending the majority of your time on? And nine times out of 10, everybody's like content creation, procrastination, (laughs) thinking about, thinking about stuff I need to be doing all the rest of it. But content creation is one of the biggest ones. And then the follow-up question I ask is, is that actually getting you the results that you want, which is like, money into your business like i assume you're creating content to attract and engage the people that you want but is it actually working like is what you're doing you know shifting the dial for you and once again 95 percent of the time the answer is no and so like you were saying it's that it's that that marketing martyrdom where it's just like i'm giving 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 and hoping somehow that that's just going to come back to me without me actually having to ask for the sale or do the call to action or having the conversations. Mm -hmm. It's beneath you. People think that selling is beneath them. What's beneath them is excluding yourself from your success. Yeah. That will cheapen your experience. That will burn you out. That will make you look like a phony and a failure and a fraud and a jerk and all the things you're worried about. Selling as long as you do it with ethics, integrity, and morals, and you do it in keeping with your own heart, as long as you treat the person like a person and not like a transaction, that will not cheapen you, babe. That will elevate you. It's only when you allow yourself to be used and used and used again that that 
is when they're not getting the value they need and you're about to go back, throw it all in, take all the money you've spent on your brand, take all that time you've spent building content and throw it in the dustbin. Yeah. I think that that is a good place for us to end on. Oh, what I a downer. That... Should we No, it? I think that that's inspiring. <laughs> I think that's inspiring. I'm like, you can't, you've done so much. You've come so far. Like, yes. just take that final step across the line. I just, I just want, yeah, I just want people to feel like it is totally 100% possible for them to actually just enjoy and love the process because of the outcome that they get their clients that they have been sharing all of this content and engaging with all this time. Like you obviously have a deep desire to serve and support and help. So actually make that happen. That's what I want to leave them with, you know, yes. that it's the possible. The only thing that you have to change about yourself is your willingness to try. Yeah. That's it. Awesome. So good. So good. Annie, I knew that this conversation was going to be gold and it was. Well, thank you, my darling. It's very, very easy to drop gold around you. <laughs> Too kind, Annie P. Ruggles. I love it. So good. So good. So Annie, for my listeners who are out and about and doing whatever, where can they find you? We will have all of your links in the show notes, but where's the best place to connect with you? The best place to connect with me is to start a conversation with me on one of my favorite social media platforms. Here's why. Number one, yes, absolutely, you can go to my free masterclass called Making Selling Easy Without Getting Sleazy. Like Sue said, that'll be in the notes. And I love that. And I hope that you'll take it. But if you have a specific question for me, I want you not to hesitate. And I want you to reach out to me on either LinkedIn at Annie P. Ruggles on LinkedIn. I'm the only one or Anniepreneur on Instagram, A-N-N-I-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R on Instagram. The reason I'm giving you those, those are the easiest way to get straight to me, straight to my purse, straight to my pocket, straight to my desk, so I can get you unstuck personally. Love it. Annie, thank you so much for all you do. Thanks for the energy that you bring. I'm excited to do more and share more with you. I'm sure we've been trying to work out a clubhouse room, which I'm sure we'll be able to do sometime soon, but really value you and everything that you bring. And thank you so much for sharing it with my incredible audience. Your audience is incredible. You are incredible. And it was an incredible honor to be here. Thanks, Annie. How fun was that? I hope that you enjoyed it. I love Annie's personality and her energy and her insight. And I love talking about sales. I came from a sales background and I am here to tell you that it is something that you can learn to love. Just just in case you didn't know that, I'm letting you know this is something you can learn to love because selling is serving. When you work with more clients, you get to impact more people. You get to do the thing you love even more. And so it is not a dirty word. And I just want to reiterate and remind you of that. So hopefully this episode was super helpful. Hope that you took notes. Let me know. I'd love you to share it as well. But uh, I loved it. Love this conversation. We'll be talking about it a whole lot more. 
Well, that's it for another week. It has been amazing to have you here as always. And remember to follow me on all socials at Suze Chadwick. But thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then I would love you to leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with us every week. The music to this podcast was created by Ixon on SoundCloud. Until next time, have an awesome week and make sure you keep playing big and branding bold.